Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. Today is January 26th. 2015, and this is The Mixed Experience. It's the only live weekly show about being racially and culturally mixed, and it's a podcast by a mixed chick sharing mixed thoughts about a mixed-up world. I'm your host, Heidi DeRoe, and resident mixed chick, and today we have a most excellent guest to talk about The Mixed Experience on this very snowy, blizzardy day in New York City. We're having an epic blizzard, so we'll see. We'll hope that the technology survives this podcast. I have a couple of announcements to start. As some of you may know, uh, I do this whole writing thing on the side uh, of this, and I also do this other thing on the side of this, which is the Mixed Remixed Festival, which is a grand labor of love, my passion project. It's an all-volunteer operation. We do it on a shoestring budget, and it's an amazing event. It'll be June 13th, 2015 in Los Angeles, and we celebrate stories of the mixed experience through film, books, and performance, and family activities. We are accepting submissions. The deadline is this coming Friday, January 30th. And if you haven't understood this before, I hope you'll hear it now. We are actually doing something a little different. We're looking for individuals to place on panels. So if you don't have an idea for a complete panel, Please submit anything that you can. Uh, it'll tell you actually on the submission page at www.mixedremix.org where to uh, fill out the form. Please submit yourself if you're a student, a scholar, a community leader, a writer, a filmmaker, an artist of any stripe who deals with stories of the mixed experience. We want to put you together with the right people and create a bang up festival. And, uh, and you're probably going to be a part of it, right? So please make sure you go over there, www.mixedremix.org. I think those are all the announcements, except I am super excited <laughs> to have this guest on today. So today's guest is Claude Nobler. His essays have appeared in Parenting Magazine and on NPR's This I Believe, as well as in one of the radio programs, Literary Anthologies, This I Believe on Fatherhood, and Worldwide Orphan Foundation founder Dr. Jane Aronson carried in our hearts the gift of adoption, inspiring stories of families created across continents. Claude lives in Los Angeles with his wife and his children. His eldest began his first year at Duke in the fall. He's the author of more Love, Less Panic, Seven Lessons I Learned About Life, Love, and Parenting After We Adopted Our Son from Ethiopia. I'm super excited to have him as a guest today. Welcome, Claude. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I understand you're experiencing the blizzard with us here in New York. I, I hope you're safe and sound. I am in my parents' apartment where we are set to start reenacting The Shining any minute. <laughs> that sounds lovely. That will make great great headlines for the rest of the book tour, too. Yes. yes it will. 
good thinking. Well, so Claude, I am so honored that you're on the show. The book just came out last week. Uh, I think I'm going to ask you a question maybe you haven't heard yet, but it's always the first question of the podcast. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. Uh, what are you? I'm, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> in, in what sense of the word? Yeah, you're, you're stymied already. Well, you yes, know, it's, I am. A, it's a play on something that happens a lot for people who are multiracial or, or have a mixed race background where you're confronted with this question where people are trying to fit you together with your family. And the question often is, strangely enough, not who are you, but what are you? You know, it's, it's funny. I think I've spent too much time living in Los Angeles because my initial answer was going to be, I'm a Pisces, which I think is <laughs> a very Los Angeles way of answering that question, I suppose. I think that's perfect. And in fact, there yeah. are no right answers. I, I love to see what people come up with because it is such a, it can be so perplexing to be faced with that, even when you're used to it. Um, well, in, in I, that case, I would have to say I'm a snow-drenched Pisces at the most moment. That sounds perfect. Well, I was so excited. I learned about your book actually before it came out, and then somehow it got off my radar, but I heard you on the radio last week, and I thought, I've got to talk to this guy. Your book, More Love, Less Panic, just came out, Seven Lessons I Learned About Life, Love, and Parenting After We Adopted Our Son from Ethiopia. I thought that you were the perfect person to have on the show about the mixed experience because when I talk about it, I don't just mean people who are racially mixed by blood or family. I also mean the people who have come together to live in a mixed experience. And it, it seems to me adopting your son from Ethiopia changed a whole lot for you. Can you tell us how you started on that journey to adoption? Well, you know, it, it, it was never really anything I had planned on doing, um, adopting a child. I think it was, you know, um, uh, on that sort of list of, oh, we should do something nice for the world. We should give all the kids toys to charity when they're not looking or something like that. And um, and then one day I read a newspaper article um, about uh, an orphanage in Ethiopia. And uh, really kind of on a, I hate to say it, but on a whim, I, I said to my wife, you know, why don't you read this article and, and let's take a look at it. And, and the truth is, is I thought she would say, oh, you're so wonderful, but no, we can't do this because we had a five-year-old daughter and we had a seven-year-old son and we were already very busy in a very full house. And, you know, I, I thought she would tell our friends and I would look terrific and nothing would ever happen. And instead she said, yeah, let's look into this. And um, not long after, I, I guess about a year later, we adopted our son, Natty, who was then a five-year-old boy living in Ethiopia, and he didn't speak a word of English. And I only spoke four words of his language, Amharic, and, you know, we were off to the races. But it was really, if the newspaper hadn't come that day, I don't think our lives would have ever changed in the way that uh, they did. And, and in that calculation, there was never a moment where you thought, you know, I like the idea of adoption. It is a, a nobler kind of idea, but why Ethiopia? Was it just because of that one article? It, it really was. You know, I mean, I was struck by an article and, and um, you know, people have said to me on occasion, well, why didn't you adopt from, you know, a family in the United States or why didn't you do this? And, and I really, I don't have a, a good answer. I, the truth is, is I saw an article and, you know, you could give me a newspaper on any random day 
and I would be very struck, and I would think to myself, oh, I should do something. I mean, I, I just saw um, there's a terrific uh, website I'm sure most people know about called Humans of New York. And um, the photographer who takes pictures and tells a small story about people in New York was discussing uh, a case of a, of a school that really needed funding and a student in that school. And, you know, people rush to give. And, you know, the, the, the truth is, is I, I meant to give. I'm traveling just now. I didn't give. But I had that same impulse. Oh, I should do something. In this one case, it happened that I really followed through. And, you know, I thought, oh, I'll mention it to my wife. And, and so we never thought about adopting from anywhere else because that was where we had read about. And that's what had struck our hearts, I guess. You go in the book through the actual process of figuring out who your son would be because you get these videos sent to you and, and photographs. I, I want to know if you could tell us a little bit about meeting. Is it Nati? Is that how you say his name for the first time? You, you know, it's, it's funny. Actually, that's literally uh, how people tend to say it for the first time. And then, and then, he, <laughs> then they realize he's just an American kid, and they just say, Natty. You know, they, it, it becomes less exotic as you know him. So now he's just Natty. Uh, this fits so perfectly into what we talk about here because you're always thinking, oh, you know, you guys are so different with your mom who's white and your dad who's black and your name must be Day. And I'm like, it's Heidi. It's Heidi. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> yes, I, I think that's very true. I, I think that, you know, Natty is different, but, you know, so am I from my parents and so is my son from my wife and, you know, and... Uh, you know, I mean, the truth is, is for instance, Natty is, is very similar to my father. I have been saying for the longest time that Natty is the son my father never had. They, <laughs> they, uh, they talk finance, and whenever I walk in the room, they both roll their eyes over me, and, you know, they're very, very similar. So I think, I think that's true. Um, I think you had said, uh, uh, I think your question was when I actually met Natty, um, yeah. And and um, it, it's true. We did initially look at videos, which is how it was done uh, 11 years ago when we went through that process. And we just looked at videos of kids, and we didn't know how we could ever say yes, that kid, and not that kid uh, to choose to adopt. But um, as I think is very often the case, when it when it came time, we just knew. I don't know how, but we did. We just felt uh, somehow that that was. Uh, my wife and I felt that somehow that was our son, and, and uh, my uh, elder son and, and daughter both felt, yep, that's their brother, and, and it was all just off of a tiny little picture. And when I when I flew to Ethiopia, you know, I was I was terribly sick and and very frightened. And um, we, uh, my guide, you needed to guide back then, and, and uh, they you sort of were issued one. And he drove us, uh, drove uh, myself up to the uh, orphanage, and there was kind of a gate. And, and the orphanage was really not a very impressive place. But for some reason, this gate sort of struck me as, as being impressive looking. And I got out, and there was a little boy. And he was five years old. And the first thought I ever had when I saw Natty for the first time was, oh, he has a beard. I, I didn't know he had a beard. <laughs> Which, you know, I, you're laughing. And, of course, you should laugh because it's a crazy thing because no five-year-old has a beard. But the, the truth is, is that really was my thought. And it wasn't, oh, my God, he has a beard. It was just, huh, I didn't know he had a beard. Because what he had was he, he had this string hanging um, from his chin. And, and later what I discovered was that Natty had been having so much fun in the orphanage in Ethiopia 
that he had run into a table while not paying attention, which really tells you everything you could ever need to know about who my son is. He was having so much fun in an orphanage in Ethiopia. Nobody has that kind of fun in an orphanage in Ethiopia. I just love this about your book because I I read it in one sitting. I, I couldn't stop myself because the whole time you're talking about this process of adopting him and bringing him home and, and making your family your family with this new addition. And uh, I'm laughing and laughing, and then I'm crying because there are these desperately sad moments. One, just describing Ethiopia, where I have visited um, the same kind of places in Addis Ababa and just found it so desperate and sad. And the fact, you know, Natty needed a home because, his father had died and his mother was dying of AIDS and, and couldn't take care of him anymore. His, his mother um, had the HIV virus, yes, and, and couldn't continue to provide care. And, and, but you know that I, I, I find with all three of my children, and the most remarkable thing for me about adopting Natty was the lesson that everything I learned from Natty and raising Natty was true of all three of my children. And, and the thing that I learned was, you know, there is very little control, no matter how much control you think you want to have. You know, I wasn't even in charge of whether or not we adopted it. just kind of happened in the strangest <laughs> way. And, and also that, you know, I think that's what parenting is, as you said. You know, there's, there's moments of, you know, sadness and, and, and where your heart just feels like, you know, it's, it's constantly being pushed and squeezed and and it's overwhelming and scary and yet you you laugh all the time you know it's it's a it's a very full experience to parent and you said in the book uh, we sometimes confuse panic for good parenting which i just thought was brilliant and oh, so I, true I, yeah and i and i think that happens all the time you know that feeling of um and i think it's 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 something we're taught we we are taught that um if you can teach your 3 year old to play the tuba they will get into Harvard when they are 18. And, and you know, we, we just love our children so much that we think, you know, oh, my God, you've got, you're falling behind. I, I felt with my uh, eldest son, Clay, that we were falling behind when he was in kindergarten. I felt <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's not reading and he's not doing enough and he'll never make it. In the, and I look back now and I think, he had only been out of a womb for five and a half years, you know. I mean, there, you can't read that well in kindergarten. And, 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 you know, I wasn't being a responsible parent trying to better my child's life. I was being panic-stricken. And, and, you know, I, I will say that, um, you know, when I met Natty, the other part of that story, the first day I met Natty was the first thought I had was, oh, he has a beard. But the second thought was that I walked up to him and – and, you know, I sort of bent down, and without saying a word, he, he, held, he held me. He really just embraced me, and I embraced him, and we just hugged. He had seen pictures of me, and he knew I was coming that day. And it was the single most remarkable hug I will ever be a part of, the single most remarkable moment you could ask to be a part of, because instantly we were father and son. And, you know, again, that's what parenting is. It's It's... You know, you, you, you think your five-year-old has a beard and he's going to be wildly uncontrollable. He's the kind of kid who has too much fun in an orphanage in Ethiopia. And yet <laughs> there's that moment where you just are a family. And, yeah. you know, that's the moment you live for. That's, that's 
the greatest moment you can hope for is just from any of my three children to just suddenly feel totally with them and present and and connected to them. And I had that instantly with Maddie. And that, that's one of the great gifts of my life. One of the most interesting things for me about your book also was that I don't think you ever use the word transracial adoption in it, which is the thing that we're supposed to be saying these days, I think. And when you're faced with questions like this that you write about from friends or, or former friends, I don't know, are you worried about Natty not connecting to you because you're white? Or are you nervous about raising a child who is so visually different from the rest of you? Um, your, your response is, Oh, meh. you know what? Yeah, meh. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I, I love that because I have to tell you, because I do the show because of what I write about, people are always asking me, well, so how do you do this race thing with kids? Aren't you worried about it? Shouldn't we all be worried about it? And you kind of have an opposite response. I, I, I do. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think that the, you know, part of Maddie's identity is that he is an Ethiopian and he is intensely proud of that. And he should be. He is, he is so, uh, he embraces that. And I love that, you know, and he's studying Amharic, which is the language he was uh, born, uh, the language of uh, Ethiopia. And, um, you know, he's very proud of, of who he is. And that's important. And I, I, I do want to do everything I can on the one hand to help him um, have that sense of identity, same as I want with my other two children to have the sense of their identity. On the other hand, we worried prior to him coming, oh, is this going to be a big deal? And is this? And it wasn't. It just isn't a big part. You know, um, sometimes Maddie will say to me, uh, Dad, can I have... Uh, he's 16 now, so he wants to have a, in fact, all three of my children are now driving. So this book is called More Love, Less Panic. My sequel, (laughs) I'm pretty sure, is going to be called Go Ahead and Panic, because they're all three driving. That's going to be the next book, Go Ahead and Panic. And and Natty will say to me, Dad, can I have a car? Like, can I, can you go buy me a, a Mercedes? Because that's the kind of guy he is. And, and I will say, no, Natty, I'm not no, I'm not buying you a Mercedes. You can share the car with me and, and your sister. And he says, Dad, is it because I'm black? And I say to him, <laughs> and I say to him, no, Natty, it's because you're Jewish. You know, I mean, we just, it's, it's not an issue. There was one day we went to the grocery store when Natty was five and my uh, daughter was five and my son was, uh, my oldest son was, uh, I guess, seven. And we're all at the grocery store and the guy putting stuff in the, in the bags said, are these, all, are these your children? And I looked at Clay, and I looked at Grace, and I looked at Natty, and I said, yeah, yeah, those are my children. And he looked at them, and he said, all three of them? And I looked at Clay, and I looked at Grace, and I looked at Natty, and I said, yeah, all three of them. And he looked at me, and he leaned forward, and he said, one of them is black. <laughs> and I, which and I, I, I looked at Clay, and I looked at Grace, and I looked at Natty, and I said, which one? So, you know... The, the really important thing about the fact that that wasn't a big concern in the end is that it taught me that I'm not good at knowing what to be afraid of. Yes. And once I know that, then I can, I, I can make an important switch. You know, no, nobody wakes up at three in the morning and thinks to themselves, 
you know I'm doing pretty well. You wake up at 3 in the morning and you think, oh, my God, what if the storm of the century knocks out the power and I'm, I, do I have can openers and do I have enough tuna fish and do I have enough supplies? And, you know, you, you wake up with fear. And, and having children ignites fear because, you know, my mother used to have an expression. She used to, she used to take my face in her hands and, and she would cut my face in her hands and she would say, Claude, you're making me crazy. And, you know, it was literally... <laughs> It was literally true. I was making it. She, you know, you, we love our children so much, we go a little cuckoo. And, and so, you know, I worried that Maddie being Ethiopian was going to be this mountain we could never climb. And then the truth is, is that wasn't a problem. What was a problem was something I had never expected, which was that Maddie was so exuberant that it kind of overwhelmed me. But, well, I, I you know, love that, that you really had to figure out, like, how can I not try to turn him into my neurotic Jewish self when he's got his own thing going on. Like, how do I, how do I facilitate that? Or how do I not get in the way of who he already has been flavored to be? And, and, you know, if you have more than one child, you know, you probably had the experience of being like a mad scientist in the 1950s. You're going to take a little of this personality from that kid's brain and put it in the other kid and then try, you know, I always wanted uh, Clay to be more assertive and, you know, go out there and play. Come on, kick the ball. And Natty, hey, stop running out and, and screaming. Take it easy. Read a book. And, you know, they're both perfect. And, and my daughter, who, you know, I, I worried, you know, doesn't have the confidence and be more She's perfect. I, it's, it's that fear that my children are not going to be okay. And I've learned, you know, I can still have that fear and I can just say to myself, that's love. I love them and I worry, but I don't have to obey my fear. I can say about my fear, yeah, you know, I'm, I worry. I worry that, you know, it, it's not going to go well, Natty will be too loud in a job interview. But I can say to myself, well, that's silly. He's 16. He's fine. And I used to make a lot of jokes and my parents worried, and then I made a living making jokes on the radio. You can make your way in the world exactly who you are. There is always a spot for everybody. And as a parent, my job is just to relax and help my kids find the spot that they want to find. And, and that was such a gift, parenting Natty, because there was no way to get him to be less exuberant. If you're going to you know, be so happy in an Ethiopian orphanage that you, you, you know, hit a table, there's that's no a happy way. Solo. Yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> no solo. way I'm going to make him quieter, you know. There, there was something um, in the book that you mentioned briefly, and, and I don't know how much you – have talked about it since then, but we are in this time of Ferguson and Eric Garner and Trayvon Martin, and you mentioned in the book even that friends of yours who are black say, you know, you got to have the conversation with your son. And have you approached that, or is is that a conversation I, that you're having in your household now? Yeah, you know, I, I actually uh, I wrote about that in an essay that was in the uh, Washington Post, and um, I, I don't know how much we discussed. I discussed in the book, but I just used the royal week. Um, but um, I, I did talk to Natty. Um, one day, Natty got into. I, I, I have to preface this um, by saying that Natty has got such a good head on his shoulders and is so level-headed, and and so um, he's very ambitious and he really wants to do well. So when I say he got into like a kerfuffle at school. 
I mean, the kind of thing that when I was a kid, a teacher would have said, write, I will behave 10 times, and that would have been the last of it. But it sounds <laughs> a little, you know, somebody, you know, actually came from behind and shoved him, and, you know, it was a little nothing. Mm-hmm. And he got, into, he got into more trouble than he should have. And when he came home, he said, that's not fair. And, and you know, I had to have the very strange moment as, you know, a, a older white guy of saying, it's not going to be fair, and you need to be ready for that sometimes. And that's not a conversation I, I needed to have, you know, with Clay or with Grace, um, although I had different conversations with them at different times. You know, certainly there are conversations you have with your daughter that are, are different than you do with a son. And, you know, I mean, life being what it is. And, and I went to a friend of mine who is a, a very successful father who happens to be black, and I, I said, look, this is, I, I feel very embarrassed asking you this, but did I do the right thing when I said, you know, here's how you, here's how you need to talk when you are approached by the police for no reason. And my friend literally fell out of his chair and stuck his finger at me and said, you must tell him that. You must do that. And if you don't do that, I will do that for you if you want me to. But like he said, you know, you will, your son will be pulled over for no reason. And, you know, I, I don't have that sort of experience with, um, with the police, but, you know, um, it was a conversation and it was, it was an, an intensely awkward conversation because, um, you know, I have such conflicting feelings about it, but yeah, I did think that was something I needed to prepare. I, I will say that as a general rule, parenting is the same for all three of my children, But in that particular case, it it was slightly different, which, you know, really breaks breaks my heart as a parent and as a person. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what do the kids think about this book? Have they read it? Are they angry? Are they asking for a piece of the film rights if it comes out as a film? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all all want to be played by Meryl Streep in the movie because she can do that. you know, um, the the three kids each have their own unique uh, reactions. Clay um, uh, is just a, a sweetheart, and he's, you know, Dad, I'm so proud of you. And every time he finds out I'm doing uh, an interview or anything like that, oh, God, I'm so proud of you. And, you know, he read the book, and he, you know, made sure to tell me how, how impressed he was. And, and you know, um, Grace is, is, you know, just like gave me just a, uh, a hug and, 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 you know, she also wrote something that was in Parade Magazine a few years ago about growing up with Natty. And so we shared that. And Natty looked at me and he said, can't anybody in this family write about anybody but me? <laughs> <laughs> he said, um, I, think, I think Natty as a 16-year-old boy really feels that uh, parents shouldn't be seen or heard. But, but he did. I, I came into the kitchen one day and we had an advanced copy of the book. And, and Maddie and I think four of his friends were sitting around a table reading the book out loud and laughing hysterically. They were telling, there's a story I tell in the book, um, which is that uh, we were going to go, I, you know, I worried so much about um, language. And then the real issue turned out to be acceptance, which is typical with all parenting always. And um, we were going to drive to San Diego. And Natty had been with us five weeks and was already had learned a lot of English. And as I pulled my car out, uh, we were in L.A. and driving to San Diego. I heard a voice in the back seat say, "No, Dad, no, no, not that way, this way." And I 
drove, I drove a little longer. And he said, no, 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 this way. And finally I turned around. I said, Maddie, have you ever been to San Diego? And he said, <laughs> he said, Dad, what is San Diego? And, and they were looking at that story and they were laughing. And Maddie said, Dad, tell the story. Tell the story. So I think. I think Maddie is now okay with it and is hopeful that the fact that he is the subject of a book will get him into Georgetown where he wants to go to college. So that's, oh, uh, that's what <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers for him. I, I am, I, I just want to make sure everyone who's listening and hears this podcast, how much I really adored this book. It's more love, less panic. Seven lessons I learned about life, love and parenting after we adopted our son from Ethiopia, Claude Nobler it's so great. What's next for you? Uh, I think I uh, am experiencing the waning moments of my glamorous life as an author, and then I will go back to uh, doing laundry and being a stay-at-home father. And uh, <laughs> um, I think one of the great surprises of this book for me, uh, writing it, has been the, the shocking discovery that I, I enjoy parenting my children as much as I enjoy writing about them. So um, I, I will probably be doing a lot of that. And uh, like a lot of parents who, uh, whose children are uh, going to college or getting ready to go to college, I'm trying to figure out what comes next. If, if this book does well, I'll write another one. I have a few ideas for that. Uh, and if it, uh, I, I think uh, everybody knows what publishing is probably like, which is if it does well, they'll want another one. And if it doesn't, no one will ever call me back again. So, you well, know. <laughs> I, I'm sure they'll <laughs> call it. you back. I, I hope to spread the, the word about this even more because I so enjoyed it. It's such an important book in that it, it treats the subject with humor and heart. And it, it really shows us in such a wonderful way that, you know, we are blended families and yet we are just like your family, just like the quote-unquote regular unblended family. And, uh, but there's much to learn in that diversity of our experience as well. So thank you so much for this wonderful book. You know, I, I really thank you. And I, and I have to say, I, if you can find a family that isn't blended by personality and conflict resolution and love, I have never yet met them because I think every family is blended one way or the other. So I really appreciate your uh, having me on. That's so well said. If you guys want to find out more, you can go to morelovelesspanic.com. It's that easy. And go buy the book right away. It's out there and it wants to be bought. <laughs> Thank you, Claude, so much. Good luck in the Thanks. blizzard. Thanks, Patty. Bye-bye. That's Claude Nobler, author of More Love, Less Panic. Uh, the book just came out last week. It, it's a fast read. It's a great read. You know, the only other thing I wanted more of were pictures. I wanted more pictures of this family, um, and I wanted more stories. So I hope, Claude, that if you're listening out there still, you know that we want that next book, too. It could be the same or different, but it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Okay, guys, that's the end of the show. This is The Mixed Experience, the only live weekly show about being racially and culturally mixed. We're back next week on Monday, live again at 5 p.m. with the wonderful writer Robbie Howard and his new book, Driving the King. Yes, Matt King Cole is the subject of a book. It's an excellent book. Uh, pick it up in advance or uh, pick it up after you hear him speak, but I think you'll love that one, too. My name is Heidi DeRoe. I'm your host, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Until then, stay warm on the East Coast. Ciao.